So welcome back to St. David's Church in Nace as we conclude our series titled Normal Isn't Working. Uh, Sean Boot began this series four weeks ago, and what I want to do is just a brief review. He says that in this season, there has been somewhat of a desire to go back, to go back to normal. But I believe that normal is completely abnormal in comparison to the life that Jesus Christ intends for us to have. It, it's just not working. It's not working out the way that Christ has intended it to work. People are more anxious than ever, burdened. Uh, we're sleeping less, stressed out, and many people are even burnt out to the point where our bodies are weary, our minds and our souls have lost the meaning of rest, and we're crying out for peace. We're crying out for solitude. We're crying out for deep rest, comfort, and relief in our lives. So if that's you today, and I, I think that is many of us today, you've come to the right place. I believe that change is possible. I believe that you can experience true deep rest, and I believe that there is rest in the midst of this madness. And here's the truth that we all need to hear. It's God's desire for us to experience rest. It's part of His design. It's what He has in store for us. So God has hardwired into us the need for quiet, solitude, rest, and reflection. So in, that's in order that we would have a healthy soul, a healthy body, and also have a healthy mind. And I believe that together we can find this rest that we're looking for. So in order to discover this, let's not go back to pre-COVID days, the way things just were. But let's go back to the old original way of living, to rediscover what God has created us for and how to live out our lives. And our model for this godly, biblical-based way of living is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the exact personification of someone who could live in this world, but not be of the world. He's our example of someone who experienced pressure, stress, busyness, and not being overwhelmed. And yet, he practiced this way of God. He practiced rest, he practiced Sabbath, and he made a way for us to follow. Jesus spoke these words in Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I love how the, um, the message, Peterson writes it. He says, are you tired, worn out, burnt out in religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest, Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Then Sean went on to look at three core fundamentals of our day, which are sleep, work, and home. And he used perhaps one of the best illustrations that I've ever seen to show us how our sleep, our work, and our homes are being robbed by consumerism, right, and entertainment. Week two was finding rest for your souls. The greatest gift you can give your friends, your marriage, your children, and your work is what? Is a healthy you, a healthy me. 
Sean used the illustration of the oxygen masks that drops down from the roof of the airplane when there's an emergency. And what's the number one rule? Put the mask on yourself first before helping anyone else. So what's the rule when you're looking for silence for your soul? Jesus and you first. Allow Jesus to be the oxygen that your soul so desperately needs. And then week three, last week, was Sabbath rest and refreshment. When God knit us together in a mother's womb, He placed within us this biological clock that needs a complete break every seven days. And He actually made it one of His Ten Commandments, which we have ignored ever since the beginning. So now I want to look at this week, how do we live out our lives in a very practical way? What are the, the steps that we need to take? And perhaps the best word to choose is a word called simplicity. Not simple, but simplicity. And the noun uh, of simplicity is this, straightforwardness, ease, clarity, obviousness, easiness, clearness, absence of complications. <sighs> I need that. We, we all need that. We all need that simplicity of life again. We need to have a straightforward life. We need to have some more ease in our lives. I, I need clarity and clearness within my thinking. We desperately need less complications in our lives. And, you know, we see, and I see in the counseling room, in the pastoral room, an increase in depression and anxiety within our society. And remember when I say society, that also means the church. Yet Christians, born again, spirit-filled, loving Jesus, believing the Bible, we are as, as depressed and as anxious as anybody else. We had two have fallen hook, line, and sinker for consumerism and entertainment. We've fallen for this line of keeping up with the Joneses, or in Ireland perhaps it's the Murphys and the Doyles, but we still want to keep up with our neighbors. You know, I spoke about anxiety last year, and anxiety is made up of four main emotions, fear, doubt, insecurity, and worry. And if we don't slow down and make our lives simpler, if we don't live intentional lifestyle, we'll be driven by fear of missing out, fear of being in debt, fear of not being good enough, which will drive that insecurity within us to overdrive, which in turn will cause us to doubt our own sanity, which will drive us to worry about our future and the future of our family, and we will all end up in various levels of anxiety and wonder about the promises of Jesus. Because this is what Jesus said, John 10.10, 10, the second part of it said, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. And for a lot of us, we're not experiencing that life. We're not experiencing that fullness of life. We're going around sometimes like headless chickens. We're being caught up within the trap. Normal isn't working. I think we have to agree with that. The normal lifestyle that the world offers is, is not working. It's not giving us this fullness that's promised by Jesus. So therefore, we must go back and, and check and see, what does the Bible actually say? What did Jesus say about all of this? And in Matthew 6, 19 to 21, Jesus said this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. 
But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What's he basically saying? Don't invest all your time, all of your energy and money and things that get old, that rust and that go out of style. Or even that can be robbed from your handbag, taken from your car or your house, but instead put all of your resource in the things that really, really matter, like your relationship with God, like advancing the kingdom of God. Because where you put your resources, that's where your heart is. Jesus goes on further than Matthew 6, 23. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now remember, this scripture was written in the first century. And back then, if you said someone had a healthy eye, it had a completely different meaning than we understand. And it had a double meaning. Number one, it meant that you were focused and living with a high degree of intentionality in your life. So you were intentional. You weren't just lolling about. You, you had an intention within your heart and your life. And the second part was that you were gracious to the poor. When you looked at the world and you saw those in need, you did your best to help them. Now, what, what's the opposite of that is an unhealthy eye, or as the, the King James Version says, um, an evil eye, right? That has the opposite effect. When you looked at the world, you were distracted by all the glitter and lost your focus on what really matters. Then you closed your fist to the poor. Now, Jesus goes on from that verse again, Matthew 6, 24. It says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus says very clearly, no one can serve two masters. It's not a law, but he's pointing out the most obvious thing in the world. No one. Doesn't matter how spiritual you are. Doesn't matter how you think generosity you are, right? No one and no one can serve God and money at the same time. The message version, Peterson puts it like this. You can't worship two gods at once. Loving one God, you'll end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship God and money both. So, guys, you cannot. You can't worship Jesus and get sucked into materialism at the same time. It just doesn't work. And if you're still not convinced about what I've presented so far, Jesus nails it in the next scripture, Matthew 6, 25. It says, Therefore, because of this, therefore, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Fear, doubt, insecurity, don't worry and worry. Jesus says, do not worry about these things. And again, let me read this whole version in the message again. Matthew 6, 25. It says, If you decide for God, living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There are far, sorry, 
there is far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes that you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God, and you count far more than birds. Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror even gotten taller by as much as an inch? There's a great question. At this time, and, and, and money wasted on fashion. All the time. All the money wasted on fashion. Do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at the, the fabulous or the fashions, walk into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop. But have you ever seen color and design quite like it? He goes on and says, the 10 best-dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside that. Then verse 30, if God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. Imagine, God is trying to get a relax to take a breath, to not be so preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way that he works fuss over all of these things. But you know God and how he works. Steep into your life in God reality, God initiative, and God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. And finally, verse 34. Give your entire intention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. These are promises. These are, are the promises from Jesus, our Master, our Lord and Savior. These are promises. He says, what? Be a God worshiper. And what will he do? He'll attend to your needs. Be a God worshiper and he will take pride in you. Be a God worshiper and he will do his very best for you. So relax. Don't be preoccupied, but getting so that we can respond to God's giving. It's interesting that when we stop being greedy, when we take control of that natural greed that rises up within us, when we stop concentrating on what I want, and I want it now, we can see all that God has already provided and will provide in the future. He says, as children of God who know their Father, we must steep our lives, we must soak our lives in God reality, God initiative, and God provisions. It's interesting that 2,000 years ago, Jesus knew about FOMO before it was ever invented, fear of missing out. Because he said in verse 33, don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. He will meet. So when we relax, when we breathe, when we look at all the provision that he has already provided, when we stop looking and looking and grabbing for more, we'll realize all that he has given us. And I just love verse 34, again for the message. It says, give your entire intention to God in doing right now. 
And don't get worked up about what may or what may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. The NIV says, don't worry about tomorrow. And the question people say, well, why don't I worry? Why, why not worry? I've always worried. Because your Father in heaven, He's got your today. He's got your tomorrow. And, and if you're looking for a word today, here's the word from your Father who holds the heavens in the palm of His hand, who knows the beginning, the middle, and the end, who is your source and resource. He's saying, I got you. Can you hear me today? He says, I got you. I got your family. I've got your bills. I've got your home. I've got your dreams. I've got everything. I've got your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. I've got this. Let's trust him in this. So what are the practical steps to this? What's the practical steps of, of living in the world but not being part of the world? and not allowing consumerism or entertainment to overwhelm us. You know, before I, I begin, I want to, to qualify something. I am, I've been married to Elizabeth 44 years in June, and we've been trying this for a long time. I think, I think we're beginning to get it. <laughs> so if you're that person, you're listening to me, and you're in debt, and, and, and you never count your money, and, and, and you start again. This is not about guilt. This is not about shame. It's not about that. It's about saying, look it, let's begin to get, let's take note. I want you to take notes of the points. Let's try and implement this into our life. Let's try and take on board what Jesus has written in the Bible, in the Scriptures. His words are living and active. Let's try and implement. But forget about yesterday. Yesterday is gone. You cannot change yesterday. But let's start again and start fresh. So number one, take note. Before you buy something, ask yourself, what is the true cost? A, a great question to begin with. Can I really afford it? And what is the real cost? So myself and Elizabeth, we live in a three-bedroom semi-detached house, right? Nothing fancy. But we put aluminium windows in, the old aluminium ones that are cold on the outside and cold on the inside, over 30 years ago. So they need replacing. I have a gas boiler that's almost 30 years old. And I have looked after that, whether it be legal or legal, but I've looked after it. I put motors in, I put new cards in, I put new bearings in, I kept it going. But guess what? We need to replace our windows and our boiler, and we need to do some insulation. Now, when I look at the uh, societies out there, the banks who, who give money and loan money, I, I always try and go to the credit union because they have generally the best terms, the lowest interest rates, and it's very accessible. So I looked up the credit union, went online, and found out what they were doing. And they have tied in with an energy company who can supply your windows, your boilers, uh, insulate your attic, insulate your walls, and they'll get you even a government grant. And they'll give you the loan. I mean, it sounds like a great deal. Until you delve a little deeper. And that's what I did. When I looked at the individual prices, everything was much more expensive because they're not shopping around. They're not meeting someone and doing a deal. They're not doing some of the work themselves and putting a bit of labor and sweat into it. They're supplying everything up front. And then the beauty of the credit union is they'll give you this money over 10 years and they'll only charge you 12,719 euro on top of your loan. So even if you were getting a deal, that's almost 13 grand on top of it. 
So guess what, folks? I'm going to do my own insulation. I'll replace the boiler, and the windows will weigh it. <laughs> That's the reality, because I've weighed up what the total cost. So I want to encourage you. Count the cost before you make that decision. Delve into it. Shop around. Get different quotations. And ask yourself the true question, can I really afford this now? Second point is never impulse buy. That's after hitting the nerve. It's amazing how much money we can spend just in the spur of a moment. I can go for months and buy nothing. Months and months and months. I, I can look at something for 20 euro and debate and consider, and the next day I'll go out and I'll spend 100, 200, or three, just like that, without thinking. I won't even think about it. It'll be gone. I'm crazy. I'm absolutely crazy. And I think I look after money well, but I don't. I'm disaster when it comes to that area. So I need help. You need help. We need help in this area. So it's much better to think about what you're going to buy. Have a think about it. Walk out of the shop. Say, okay, I'll come back tomorrow. Because oftentimes when you sleep on it, you, you can rethink, do I really need this item? And, and the recommendation is that the bigger the item, the more you sleep on it. Oftentimes, we, myself and Elizabeth have gone and looked at stuff. We wait a few days and say, nah, we don't need that. Because I'm an impulse buyer. That, that's, I, 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 that's how I do. I, I like it, I'll have it, I'll take it. So I have to implement this into my life. You know, recently I, something really happened to me. I, I went to, to, a, to a, a large garden center and I was looking at slabs and they had these beautiful cream-colored slabs and I was on my own and I knew Elizabeth would love them. I just knew she'd love them. They would brighten up our whole back garden. And I thought, I'm going to get them. So got a price, got a quotation for putting them down. And, and the next day, this thought came to my mind. And I can tell you, it's a God thought. How do I know it was God thought? Because I wouldn't think of this. The question came to my mind, would this purchase glorify God? And the only one I thought about it, the answer was no. So guess what? I didn't get the slabs. <laughs> I'm happy about it. Elizabeth is happy about it. And hopefully, God is happy about it as well. So not a question I always ask. I'm not trying to spiritualize stuff. But every now and again, maybe you can stop and say, would this really glorify God? Which brings me on to point number three. When you do buy, opt for fewer, better things. Now, again, oftentimes what happens is we don't have a lot of money. You, you, we see people going to pennies, and they come out with 10 big brown bags full of clothes. And often happens in our house, in our apartments, we look around one day, we don't really like the stuff we have, it's, it's cheap and falling apart. But you know what? Instead of buying one thing, we buy 10 things. 10 things for a tenner or maybe 20 quid. Instead of waiting and waiting and waiting to get what we want. And when I say that word waiting, that, that's a difficult thing for in, in our modern society. PG, you want me to wait? Are you kidding? It's available. It's there. It's looking at me. I like it. But oftentimes, it's better to buy quality. Wait. Save your money. Take three months. Take six months. Take a year and get what you really, really want. Another thing is, 
how about twice love stuff? And I know people think people would cringe, and you think it might be horrendous. You want me to buy something secondhand for my home? Are you kidding me? But recently, I bought a Sonus speaker. Now, I bought it um, a sound system for half price. And it was absolutely perfect. Absolutely. The guy I bought it off works in Harvey Norman. And all he's interested in is getting the latest gadget. Doesn't care. It could be a month old, two months old. As soon as the new gadget comes up, he wants it. So can I just tell you, there are bargains out there to be had. You can have good quality and you don't even have to pay full price. Number four, when you can, share. Again, a novel idea, right? And again, this is one of my weaknesses. Ask Elizabeth, right? Oh, Lord, help me. See, I want all the tools and equipment. The lawnmower, the blower, the power washer, the electric hedge trimmer, the strimmer, the sprayer, spade, shovels, rakes. I want them. And then when I have them, I have to have a bigger shed to put them in. And, and I get it caught into this vicious, vicious circle. So perhaps I am more caught up in consumerism than I even think. Maybe I have to relook at this thing. Maybe it's possible that I can borrow a sprayer of somebody, a lawnmower of somebody. Maybe we can share things around and be more of a community in that. I mean, when you think of it, you live in a housing estate with, with 100 houses. Why do we have 100 lawnmowers? <laughs> 100 strimmers, 100 head clippers. We're, we're crazy. We're crazy. So maybe sharing can be one of the ways forward. Number five, get into the habit of giving things away. Don't be a hoarder. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, Elizabeth is so good at this. I, I want to tell you, she's so good. There are things in my house that I put in the black bag and I've been at. But Elizabeth takes it, she puts it together, she thinks of who could this be a help to? Who could this be a blessing to? And she'll pull it into boxes and bags. And even today, she's gone to deliver stuff. Stuff that, that I would chuck. But she said, no, guess what? I, I can share that with somebody else. And you know the old saying, one man's rubbish can be another man's treasure. So how about intentionally be generous? Practice generosity. And you know, if you want to live a, a blessed life, a life to be to full, begin to give generously now. You know, one of the, the big challenges in life is that when I earn more money, I'm going to give then. When I get settled into my house, I'm going to give then. When I build that extension, I'm going to do it then. For many of us, we never actually arrive. But how about supporting right now, today, a child in compassion? This little fellow here is called Joseph from Togo. And myself and Elizabeth, we sponsor him. It costs us 30 euro a month. And what I would love to encourage you, take action, do something today. Compassion.com. I'm not paid by compassion. I'm not being given anything to compassion. Compassion.com. Go in. Look at kids from Togo. So we have all, all of our church. I think we support 30, 40 kids at the moment. Become part of that and take action. Go and actually sponsor a child. Be generous right here. Less consumerism means more resources for you to give away, which in turn will bless your life and allow you to walk in greater freedom. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. 
but you have to take action. You've got to do something. And my encouragement, start now. Start right now. As soon as this message is over, go online and take some action. Number six, and this is a difficult one, live by a budget. Make up a budget. Again, you'll be surprised how many people don't have a budget. And here's the things that I used to think. These are my old arguments for not having a budget. A budget? I don't earn enough to have a budget. Every penny I have is gone. Hey, I, don't, don't talk to me. Budgets are for, are for rich people. Budgets are for people who don't know what to do with their money. But again, what I'd like us to do is have a, a global perspective. And I'm just going to give you one stat. If you earn 21,000 euro or more, you are in the top 10% of the world's wealthiest. Wow, that's crazy. 21,000. And that's, that's not even minimum wage. <laughs> that's not minimum wage. 21,000 euro, we're in the top 10%. And again, that means that, that we are better off than 90% of the entire world. And again, please don't, don't take this as guilt or shame. Take this as God's provision and God's blessing that the God of heaven and earth, your heavenly Father, birthed you in this place, somewhere in the Western world, for such a time as this. Guys, we are blessed. So do a budget, find out where your money goes, and start, first of all, by putting a guard and protection around your money. And this is how you can protect your money. God says this in Malachi 3.10. It says, Bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there will be enough food in the temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Can I just tell you, folks, that after 30 years of tithing, 30 years of walking with the Lord, that my 90% that I have right now goes much further than the original 100% that I had under my own protection and my lack of wisdom. So put your money into God's kingdom. Invest it into the things of God and see what he will do with you. So please do a budget, write it down, know where you spend your money and get back some of that control over your finances. Number seven, learn how to enjoy things without owning them. Let me repeat that. Learn how to enjoy things without owning them. Have you ever gone to Newbridge Silver for lunch? That's just one example. Perhaps in your own geography, there's a beautiful place like that. But you sit down, you have lunch, and there's someone in the corner playing on the baby grand piano. It's a beautiful atmosphere, and all it costs is the price of your lunch or even a coffee. I love, there's a new Costa down the road from me. I, I, I live in the middle of Newbridge. It's a beautiful place. And for three euro and 40 cents, I can go in and spend an hour or two hours in this lovely atmosphere. And it, what does it cost me? Three euro and 40. I don't have to try and bring it home. I don't have to try and recreate it. 
There's a hotel up the road for me, the Cadian Hotel. Please, God will be open one day, and I can go back for another drink or another coffee. But that is a beautiful place with an open fire, right? A gorgeous couches and big foyer, and you can sit there and relax, and it costs you the price of a drink. Folks, learn what's in your area, what's in your geography. You, you, you don't have to invest hundreds of thousands in your own home to enjoy what is already provided. Number eight, cultivate a deep appreciation for creation. Now again, guys, there's people listening to me and said, creation, I don't have time, I don't, I, and I, I, I'm not a tree hugger, I'm not, I'm not talking about that. But, but I'm talking about slowing down, taking time, relaxing, being less anxious, taking back control, and breathing. It really is. You know, this is a, a quote from John Mark Comer, author of The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, the book that we're, we're basing some of these talks on. He says this, If materialism despiritualizes us, the material world itself has the opposite effect. It can re-spiritualize our souls. Wow. You can put back in. One of the, the great things that on the day off to do is myself and Elizabeth would love to, to walk from gravestones all the way across the cliffs into Bray. And I want to tell you, when, when you're walking along there, we have such great memories and chats. We chat, connect with each other. We chat about the Lord. We chat to the Lord. You're, you're looking out in the RAC. You can see the train go below on the cliffs. You can see the mountains behind you. It's such a, just a beautiful place to be. It really, really connects you. And then you land into Bray along the seafront. And perhaps one of the greatest experiences is after walking for two or three hours is to get a bag of chips, <laughs> to sit on the seat and look at it to see. What a great experience for, for two, two euro and 20 cents, a bag of chips and a walk across. So I want to encourage you, Look in your own area. Look around and, and enjoy and take time. Number nine, cultivate a deep appreciation for the simple pleasures, the simple things in life, the things that God has already provided. How about that first cup of tea or cup of coffee in the morning? You know, I, I, I sit right now and I can look out into my garden. Now, I, I'm not a green finger guy. I'm not a gardener. I'm not anything else. But I did go to B&Q, and I bought a little plants and flowers. And to sit there with a cup of tea in the morning, sometimes it's cloudy and rainy, but sometimes there's a blue sky. And to see the plants grow, and just to calm and think, Lord, imagine you grew those flowers, the colors, the sky. There's, there's a place we have this little room, as we call it the, the, the sun room. And, and if I put my chair in a particular position, I live in a housing estate, right? But if I put my chair in a particular angle, I can look out my window and I can see trees and the sky. And that's all I see. And I could be at that moment anywhere in the world. I mean, I really could. But I take my time. And, and I don't put on music. There's times I, I read my Bible. But sometimes I just chat to God. Just connect, just calm and breathe and slow down. It's so important to be able to do that. I'm trying to appreciate the, the small things. And you know, at, at, the, at the beginning of this year, I, I wrote this 
in my lock screen. It says, take stock, love intentionally, and be grateful. So every time I tap the screen, this pops up. Every single time. Take stock. What's happening around me? What's going on around my life? Love intentionally. Be, be intentional in loving. Be actually, you, you've got to be intentional about this. It won't just happen. And be grateful to God for who He is, for who He has made me to be, for all His provision, beginning with salvation and forgiveness, and, but all the provision around us. You know, I married my perfect partner, Elizabeth, in this June, 44 years ago. Imagine. She's my friend, my lover. She's a Jesus lover. And she's put up with a lot of inconsistencies and crap from this guy. A lot of garbage, but yet has remained soft-hearted, loving, kind, generous, funny, and passionate. Because we are blessed. We are blessed. My one and only son, Sean, is now my lead pastor, which really, it fulfills any parent's dreams or any prayers I've ever prayed for my son, Sean Booth, have now been answered. They really have. Not only that, but he too has found his perfect partner who loves him, who challenges him, who loves Jesus, and together they produced three great grandsons with another one on the way. They're still at it. <laughs> and I also belong to a group of people who love Jesus, who are committed to see his kingdom advanced in this nation and beyond. And they're called Open Arms. My Open Arms family, my Open Arms church. I am blessed. You are blessed. Look around you. See what God has already provided for you. Stop, stop, stop looking and getting more and say, God, look what you have given me. Look what you have given me. I am blessed. I would encourage you, please do not allow the world to rob you, to take your joy, to have you depressed or anxious. Do not allow the world to do this to you. And remember again the, the words and promises of Jesus. John 10, 10, he says, the thief, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy, to steal your peace, to steal your rest, to steal your time off, to steal your love for those around you. But he says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That's why he has come for us. Matthew 11, again, for the message the question is, are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace, and I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So, folks, let us keep company with the Master. Remember to protect your time and energy. Make sure to balance sleep, work, and home. Keep rule number one, Jesus and you first. Allow Jesus to be the oxygen 
for your soul. And make sure that you take every seventh day as your Sabbath and live a life of simplicity. Always take stock, love intentionally, and be grateful. Jesus gives us a, a personal invitation in Matthew eleven twenty eight. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. The message translation says it like this one. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out in religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. If that's you today, I want to give you the opportunity to place your faith in Jesus Christ. That you might know him personally, not just about him, but that you would know him intimately. And that you would or surrender your life to his ways and find that true rest that you've always searched for. But if that's you, I want you to bow your head, close your eyes, and just pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I'm drawing close to you. I acknowledge that you are my Lord and my Savior. Come into my life. Lead my life. Forgive me. Heal me. And help me to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you have said that prayer for the very first time, we want you to, to help you take the next step in your life. Again, you've heard uh, the girls talk about our Connect cards. You can just go to openarms.ie forward slash connect. Just fill it and say, I've committed my life to Jesus. Or perhaps I've recommitted my life to Jesus. Stay safe. Save well. God bless.